Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 47. I'm Christina Suzuma, your host for this program. Thank you so much for joining me again as I continue to explore the wonderful world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and the many modalities of helping us find balance in our individual journeys. We are always excited to meet those who are on the leading edge of creating change on this planet. At any time during this live presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. Or if you prefer to dial in and ask the question yourself, um, we have our conference line, which is 323-476-3672. And the ID is 607-393-POUND. And during the show, these uh, the conference line numbers will, of course, show up at, as well. And uh, you can feel free to call in any time or type your comment in at any time, and I will share that with our guest. Well, today is a very special day, anytime I have this individual on my show. Our guest today is an individual who's been a part of the Yoga, Yoga Hub family since the first virtual yoga and meditation conference in 2010. And now you can see him weekly on our YHTV show, The Magical Medical Tour. I'd like to uh, welcome over to Trinity of Life, our wonderful Dr. Glenn Woolman. What's up, Doc? (laughs) I thought I'd have to add a little bit of MMT into our show. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Greetings and welcome. I'll be your medical guide, uh, except for not today. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I can guide us through the Trinity. Nah, you don't want to guide us through the Trinity. You you just have to come play with us in the Trinity. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's run around the pyramid together here. <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> so, so let's talk about Trinity for a minute here. Uh, I'm interested in uh, maybe interviewing you for a moment or two, and then uh, we'll talk about some things that um, I feel like chatting about later. Uh, when you started Trinity, what was your, what was your initial idea in mind? What were you trying to bring to the rest of us with Trinity of Life? Mm. Well, with Trinity, you know, the, because it's it's a triangle. When you when most people see it, it's a triangle that represented for me the balance of body, mind, and spirit, and mm-hmm. it also represented the stages of life that we go through, which is from child to adulthood to elderly. So, it, you know, the, the, a trinity and, and a tetrahedron represents so much in this world, and supposedly everything is made up of all these tetrahedrons. So that was a very significant um, sort of symbol for me as we built trinity. Um, yes, you're going to say something. I was going to say, so this is episode 47. Have yes. you... You've achieved what you've wanted to in your process, and are you still uh, along the same lines, or are there variations coming into Trinity? Have, have you learned things that you want to include or uh, change as we, as you move forward? Oh, a- absolutely, Glenn, absolutely. I mean, as as YHTV grows, and, and really this is, uh, you know, Magical Medical Tour and Trinity of Life uh, going hand in hand, it was... It was really our stepping stone, and what a wonderful stepping stone, because I think it's led us to, to um, other, other individuals who also have so much to share. Um, Trinity of Life, uh, to begin with, was really encompassing everything from inspirational stories to yoga to meditation, um, you know, natural healing, um, and and really, it it was uh, a, a a really huge pot of of like you put your hand in, you take out whatever it is. You know, it's like a big lottery. You know, every every week. Um, now it is time. Now that uh, we are beginning to balance out all the technical side and and all the people that we've tapped into, it's time now to start um, sort of having the satellite shows from Trinity. And from that, which we mean is like a yoga therapy show, which is based on yoga and uh, the therapeutic, mainly the therapeutic forms of yoga and, mm-hmm. um, and a show based on for children, because mm-hmm. I think that is a, 
that that to me as as I've moved through this journey is becoming more and more important because so much depends on the foundations that we're given as a child. You know, from one of the shows that we did with you from well before that child is even conceived all the way through to its teenage years, you know, are so important that basis and I mm. and I, I believe now that we've been able to validate the fact that we need a show on its own just for that. Um, so those are two shows that will be branching away from, not away from, but being a part of Trinity, but, you know, the, the sub-satellites from that. Um, and, of course, meditation. Because we are finding that more and more um, people are realizing that meditation is so powerful, including businesses. They had a supposedly a four-page spread on meditation in the LA Los Angeles Times down here mm-hmm. a few months ago. And so, you know, it's, it's really being implemented in businesses and um, in everyday life. People are realizing how easy it is, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that, that you are sitting silent for a long time. There's so many forms of meditation and mantra and chanting. So, you know, those are sort of like the three areas that we will no doubt be launching in the next few months. It's kind That's of fantastic. Congratulations and many blessings. I know that uh, the world will be a better place because of that. Uh, it also gives us the opportunity to see uh, good people out there doing good things and making a difference. I, I think all of us that watch or read or listen to the news uh, most of the time, the news is, uh, you know, sort of in a negative place or uh, not such a healing place. There's so many things happening. So it's nice to have this uh, counteractivity of goodness and healing and knowledge and wisdom and making change, all of that. I really like that. So congratulations to you. I'm glad that I'm in some way part of that. Oh, you're a huge part. <laughs> and you just watch. You're going to you're going to be dabbling in each of those as well. And and also very exciting, Glenn is um uh I I do believe that we are working towards our first round table discussions where we can have uh different people with um individuals with different backgrounds come together and discuss certain topics on Magical Medical Tour as well as Trinity. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I I like to be very positive about uh, my my show and having people on that are current. But I also want to understand that there is controversy in many areas. So sometimes it's good to get different opinions, and it's really good to get different opinions mm-hmm. of two experts that are speaking through knowledge and being very civil and cordial and compassionate toward each other's point of view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and really, it's just about uh, letting individuals have the information and allowing them to make their own choices. That is right. so important <clears throat> to me. So I think I was thinking today, if you don't mind, since you asked me to be on the show, <laughs> uh, I was thinking about some things that I would consider uh, having conversations with you about, I, I decided I didn't want to give a real lecture on some kind of pathology or something having to do really with health, but I thought it would be interesting maybe to have a discussion about some of the things I learned about life uh, as I decided to go to uh, medical school, getting through medical school and practicing in emergency medicine and then as a medical guide there are some things that are not necessarily related to medicine in terms of healing, but there are some things that I can, I've come away with in my life that I think are interesting to uh, talk about. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that I always see in people is that we talk about going from intellect to consciousness, and People may understand something on an intellectual level, but it doesn't come to consciousness until it hits someone in the face. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and it's you have to be unconscious to become conscious, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just about. Just about. You wake up from your heart attack going, whoa, I don't think I should eat like I've been eating. 
<laughs> or you wake up from uh, coughing out blood and you say, well, maybe I should stop smoking. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping today maybe to talk about a few things that uh, if uh, these are things that I learned and people can consider the possibilities rather than getting hit in the face. I like that. <laughs> My nose is flat enough right now. I don't want to be hit anymore. <laughs> well, uh, in that case, maybe I could get hit in the face a few more times. <laughs> so the, one of the first things, I was, uh, I was very competitive when I was young. Uh, my, my thoughts at an early age were deciding to go to medical school, and I knew at that point that I had to start working hard. So everything I did was competitive and hard. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the winner. I wanted to be this or that. So if it was about studying, I wanted to make the best grades. I was very competitive there. And if it was about sports, I wanted to win and I wanted to be the best athlete or have the best team. It was always about, you know, do it harder, work harder, be stronger, be the best and things like that. And it was necessary. I found that it was very necessary to do that to actually get into medical school because there's only a limited number of medical schools in the country, and each medical school has a limited number of seats, and they can't change that uh, for various reasons. <clears throat> so the competition is very difficult, and it certainly starts with grades, but then it's become so much more competitive nowadays that even if you have straight A's, it's, it's almost, but what have you published? Or are you a concert pianist also? You know, mm -hmm. what are the other things that you can add besides being smart? We have 6,000 applicants who are smart. What makes you different? But I found that the, the day that I got accepted to medical school, as soon as I knew that, somehow all of my competitive nature disappeared. Ooh. And I thought, this is really nice. It's, it's softer. It's smoother. It's more compassionate in a way. It's more gentle. And I, and I look at that now. I, I go to the gym and work out, and I see people there ranging from very young, maybe 12-year-old kids sometimes show up there, up to 80-, 90-year-old adults, and everyone in between, male, female. And I see... Uh, this great uh, timeline, all of the younger kids and the younger people are pushing themselves really hard, higher weight, more repetitions, bigger muscles, stronger body. And it seems to make sense at a certain age to do that. But then as it goes on, uh, people start getting up a little bit. Then it goes to maybe more definition in the muscles and kind of a flexible body. Then as you get a little bit older, it goes to just you want tone in your muscles and you want to protect your joints. <laughs> <laughs> and, less repetition. And basically, <laughs> right. And, and less weight. And, and now you're doing it for maybe the, the actual exercise itself, the range of motion. And it basically is uh, when I talk to different people, you know, the people that I talk to that are older, that are finished with their workout. Their usual comment, uh, you know, it's, how was your workout? And it's, well, I didn't get hurt. <laughs> oh, no. So I, th I think my message here, my little first message, uh, is about competition. And over time, start to become softer in your life. Become less competitive. Uh, accept the fact that you are who you are, and, and that's okay. Even, even in terms of moving and walking and standing and going from a standing position to sitting in a chair, sitting from a chair up to a standing position, do it more softly. Uh, you will last longer. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's one of the first lessons I got. Do you want to uh, chat about that for a minute? Or, or? You know, it, it, this, that's so funny, Glenn, because... Um, <laughs> It's what's interesting is, you know, I, I have a little one and uh, he's six now. <clears throat> and uh, 
Interestingly enough, though I don't promote competition, now that he is in school, it is very clear that that through line is setting in, that competitiveness, you know, who, what, where, and, um, you know, how much someone has and the means of, you know, do they have more of something? Do they have less of something? Who's faster? Who's slower? Wow. It's almost, you know, when they say, oh, things don't happen overnight, I got to tell you, with uh, it seemed pretty overnight to me. Does <laughs> <laughs> right. all go, what? You know, what happened? You know, it's like, and trying to soften it now with him at this stage. <laughs> Yeah, and again, I'm not against competition. I, I remember I love competition, but I think that as you're learning to be competitive, which we all do naturally for many reasons, uh, it's it's important to know that at some point you can change and and to try to look for the softer parts even when you're being competitive. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's it for me on that topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my signal to let you know I'm finished with that, unless you have something to say more. Uh, no, I think you did well on the competition. Now round two, bing, bing. <laughs> bing, bing. Okay, so the next the next part of of something that I learned in medical school right away is you go into medical school, you, you finish college, and you have a lot of knowledge behind you. But when you get into medical school, it's a whole new body of knowledge. <clears throat> and as you go up in the ranks, you become a first-year student, a second, third, and fourth-year student. And then you become an intern, a resident, an attending, uh, a professor, or private practice. You go all the way up the ranks. But especially at the beginning in medical school... You know, you've got there by always being near the top of the class and always when the teacher asks the question, your hand shoots up right away. I know, I know, I know, teacher, I know. And if you get something wrong, you feel bad about it. Uh, or, if, or if a teacher asks a question and you don't want to ever say, I don't know the answer to that. So when I got into medical school, that's how I came in, not wanting to ever say, I don't know, but there was so much to know that was all new and different than ever anything I've learned before. I finally realized there's a whole order that there are people who know a lot more than I do. And there are people that know about the same as I do. And there are people that know less. So when there's a, a point that you have to do something and, and answer a question or make a decision, it's okay to say, I don't know. And it's okay to ask someone who knows more than you do or than one does for the information. That's how we live life. That's what's expected. We're not expected to know everything, especially now where we're seeing people who don't have to know anything anymore because they have an eye something or a, a zombie something or a droid something that will give them the answer. I went to a great lecture on memory the other day, but I won't get into that now. The point is that it's okay to ask if you don't know something and learn. It's much more important. And I found that especially in decision-making. When I was in the emergency department, I had to sometimes make decisions that would uh, determine whether someone lived or died, determine whether someone lost a limb, determine whether someone lost their vision. And I sometimes had to make that decision within seconds. So it did require me to know a lot at that time. But all decisions aren't life, limb, or sight-threatening. So I think that the thing that I'm saying here is that it's okay to ask, and if you don't have all of the information that you need to make a decision, don't make the decision yet. It's okay. Make the decision based on how critical it is and then based on data that you know. Makes a lot of sense, Glenn. There, there's, um, I don't, it, 
I guess it's a maybe it's part of the competition that's leading into this, but you know, there's a uh I don't know if it's a human trait to assume so much. Uh, well, there's human nature, but it's also you know, we're taught things. Our our parents try to teach us to learn and to do good and to answer the right questions and always uh, have the answer and be correct. Those are all things that we try to instill in the youth of today as they grow up. We want to be correct. We want to have the right answers. We want to make the right decisions. And sometimes it gets to the point, depending on how we're taught, what the punishment might be, you know, or the, the reaction, if you get the wrong answer or you get an answer that says, I don't know the answer to that, or, or something else happens like that depends on, on the next reaction. If you get punished severely for saying, I don't know, or punished to some degree for, for getting the wrong answer, that sets up a whole series of patterns of behavior that you would almost rather uh, make a wrong decision than say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think I had an interesting story. I was in the middle of working in emergency medicine. Uh, I, I was uh, looking for a house with a real estate agent. And uh, we had been going out to a number of houses over time, a few months. We'd been looking maybe four or five months seen a number of houses and just nothing fit for me. Finally, once I saw a house that I, I liked a little bit, but it, it needed a lot of improvements and a lot of more money than I wanted to spend on it. But because I showed some interest in it, the agent, uh, it was almost like blood in the water around sharks. They, uh, the agent started saying, we got to do something. This house could go, you could lose it, this and that. Uh, you got to make a bid, but I don't want to make a bid, but you need to. We can always go back later, uh, but it's more than I want. Yes, but we can have creative financing and you can do this and that. Anyway, I just, I just didn't make it. I hadn't made the move one way or the other. I kind of thought I didn't want to do it. Well, one morning I was getting up. It was about six in the morning. I was up. I was dressed in my surgical scrubs. I had my uh, stethoscope and my coat on and my doctor bag in hand, ready to go to do a shift in the emergency department where I would be uh, having to <clears throat> deal with issues all day long of, about health and healing. And the realtor showed up at my house <gasps> with with a, a, a package of papers that she wanted me to sign to uh, get this house. I said, you know, basically, what are you doing? Why are you here? What's going on? I'm not going to sign these papers right now. I can't. Uh, I have to go to work, and I, I'm not even ready to do it. And this person said to me, do you know what your problem is? And I thought, okay, well, I guess if I do have a problem, it would be good to know what it was. So I said, no, please, please tell me my problem. And remember, I'm on my way to the emergency department in my coat, stethoscope around and everything. And she says, you're incapable of making decisions. <laughs> that one's making me bounce. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was actually, aside from the fact that it was 6.30 in the morning and I didn't want to see this person and I'm focused on medicine and emergencies, it was so bizarre and absurd and hysterically interesting that it <laughs> caught me by surprise. And of course, my answer at that moment was, uh, I thought, to, I thought for a second and I said, um, well, actually I make decisions all the time and I make them more rapidly than you will ever know. And I'm going to show you now you are no longer my realtor. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, you know, in terms of making decisions, I, I think when something is critical, it's, it's important if you're in the position to make decisions, have, try and learn enough so that you can make quick decisions. But if there's something that you're making a decision about that you don't know a lot, get data and ask people. 
you know, even if it's that old story about the husband and wife driving in the car and the husband's lost, but he won't ever say, I'm lost and ask directions. It's okay. Ask. It's much better than driving 75 miles in the wrong direction than than, uh, making the mistake. I I am right with you on that. I just pull aside and wait. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm... <clears throat> I'm oh finished on that. You're done with you teaching others? Be... Oh my. No, this is this oh. is this is actually that's a great uh segue because the next one is about uh teaching and learning. Oh, I thought that uh, one was about teaching and learning. No, this one this one is about more that it's okay that you don't know everything and that you can ask people they're all certainly tied into each other, and they're all about learning and teaching and things like that. But this one was a little more specifically on asking, and you don't know everything, and it's okay not to know everything. But, but you know, also, uh, Glenn, I think as as I know for myself, as uh, as you know, the years are coming on, and uh, there's something that I've learned from that. We only know what we know, and we don't know what we don't know, right? And everyone has such a different perspective on how to do something or how to approach something that I find that I'm asking so much these days, like, oh, and how would you, how would you do this? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know oh, because, because really I, I find that, oh, I like your way better. You know, I'm going to, can I, may I adapt that or may, <laughs> may I start using that? Because <laughs> it's easier and, or it's, it's easier or it makes more sense or, you know, uh, um, yeah, I just love hearing how other people approach a situation or a decision that they would make and why, you know, not saying that we have to agree with it. No, that's right. And all of this is about decision making. And I would say that, again, it's these are lessons that people learn, but most of the time it's after a face hit. And so there's a possibility that if, if anybody can learn something before the face hit, it's, it's much easier. Uh, but I could speak a little more about decision-making. Uh, at one point, uh, aside from working in the emergency department, I was also an administrator. I was the medical director of emergency department, a number of emergency, emergency departments, and uh, uh, for a region with a national emergency medicine group. And there would be times, for example, I would come in to work in the hospital in the emergency department, and there'd be a patient there uh, who was complaining or a family member of a patient who was complaining. And they would tell me a story about a doctor who was this or a doctor who did that or a nurse who did this, and they wanted them fired or they wanted an apology or something like that. Or there'd be another physician who would come in and complain about a nurse or they would say that the doctor didn't call them. They were supposed to be called. Why weren't they called? <clears throat> number of people would come to me with a story about someone else, and uh, they would have demands already. Hmm. And I, I used to watch other people talk to talk to them and say, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to talk to this person, and I will ha- and I will tell them what they did wrong and everything else." But I learned over time, that there are actually three sides to a coin. Three sides. There's each, three sides to a coin. There's each face, say the head and the tail, but there's also the edge. Mm. And sometimes, if, if you're on the head side, it's impossible to see the tail. If you're on the tail side, it's impossible to see the head. If you're on the edge of the coin... Sometimes you could see both. So the thing that I learned, when somebody made a complaint, I said, I would always say to that person, thank you for your complaint. Uh, this may be an opportunity for us to learn something. Clearly, some things happened here that uh, we need to look at and maybe change. But I promise you, I will look into this and I will get back to you and let you know what I found and what I've done. And that would seem to... Um, assuage the, the person, the complainer at that time. 
But then I would go to the other person who was being complained about, and I would hear a completely different story. And after a certain amount of time and checking on all the things, everything was not the way it seemed from either person each time. So again, in making a decision, it's really important to find out all the sides of a story, collect the data, and, and see why the people also felt that they, they were wronged or something was done inappropriately. There were many times that it would turn out, for example, I would have a physician that was on call that we would call them uh, for their patient, and then uh, they didn't respond, so we would call another doctor. They would come in the next day saying, I can't believe you admitted my uh, patient to another doctor. What happened? Well, I don't know what happened. Let me find out. And when I find out, I will get back to you. So I, w- I would go through a process and I would find out that the person actually, the doctor, uh, turned off their uh, beeper. Ooh. And we had proof that we had called the answering service, but the doctor didn't check that. They were more interested in reacting to the process that their patient was admitted to someone else, and how could we do that to them without checking to see that their beeper was off or something else. So it sometimes, again, in making those decisions, when you have to especially talk to one person about someone's complaint or something else, it's good to find out all the stories and, and look for the three sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little lesson right there. Yeah. Okay, then I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to... One of the important things that I would like to talk about today, not that they're all not extremely important, but one of the great things I learned in medical school was about learning, how to learn something. And you can imagine that uh, aside from just learning lots of facts, there were also many... Um, techniques or skills that had to be learned when I did my surgery residency. Clearly, uh, I had to learn how to hold a scalpel, how to uh, make an incision, how to stop bleeding, how to remove something, how to suture something. All of these were tasks that had to be learned that were not things that I knew before. And the great way that medicine teaches something uh, and I think this is a great thing that everyone should should know about, at least to consider. The first thing you do is see one. So when I'm ready to uh, learn CPR, for example, I go and I watch someone do CPR. So that's my first step. I see one do something. The next step is to do it, you know, to actually show that you can do it and prove that you've learned the skill. And sometimes it takes a a couple of times of seeing one and and a a number of times of doing one. It isn't just see one and do one. It may take many times before you get it clearly uh, to the degree that you need to. Surgery, clearly you have to know to a certain degree, maybe making a paper airplane, maybe not to the same degree. But the third part, which which really... makes it concrete is after seeing one and after doing one, teach one. So when I have someone now that I'm trying to to teach something, after I show them an example of how to do it, and then I have them do it, I watch them do it, and it appears that they know it, then I have them teach it back to me or teach it to someone else. And in doing the teaching part, usually it requires someone to think a little differently. You have to, if you're going to truly be a teacher, then you have to be prepared for questions that someone may ask as they're trying to learn it. So you're forced to look at something from a number of points of view to really, truly understand what you're learning and what you're doing and what you're teaching. So see one, do one, teach one was one of the great things that came out of medical school for me. And I use that in everything I do now when I have to try and get someone to learn something. Hmm. 
the three steps of learning something. Yeah, and I think you can also, even especially you have a, a child, so every day you're teaching something new to the child. And I think, obviously, you show them how to do something once. Here's how you use a fork or a spoon or a knife or chopsticks, or here's how you do this. And then you see them do it. But I think it's good. And when they do it, then it's you say, oh, you did that right. Very nice. Many people leave it alone there. I think the next step should be taken and say, okay, now teach it back to me. Or how would you teach your younger brother or your friend that doesn't know how to do that? How would you teach them how to do it? And then watch Watch them thinking and watch, watch their eyes and their, sometimes you could see their mind that they're uh, working on things of, well, what if they ask me this question or I need to ask it this way? Or even they become um, uh, a little bit as an individual and they start putting their own flair on it right away, <laughs> which is very nice, you know, to see something like that. And, and that's an opportunity to say, well, that's a great flair. That's an interesting variation. But right now we want to make sure that we do it this way. You know, you're learning how to uh, hit a tennis ball. So you learn it this way first, and then you can teach it that way, and then you can learn other things. Mm. So your thoughts. Mm. Well, I, I think I have it. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, love the, I love the way you, you specified that, like, like the three stages. Um, because I, I think for myself, even growing up as a child, I used to watch. Being the youngest in a family was, it was a no-brainer. I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have all these older siblings. You have no choice but to watch. And then you want to do, so we would do it. But I would have no one to teach it to mm-hmm. in the end. Um, and now I watch my child. And uh, the I see him naturally actually teaching his grandmother. Ah, because, nice. you know, the motor skills as we get older are a little more, you know, for some people it's a little difficult, you know, uh, Holding a pen or holding something fine, it's difficult for, for the elderly. And That's true. It's, it's interesting to see how he's implementing what he's learned to her. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's very good. Yeah, so it's been a really uh, interesting process this past week to watch that. And because of that, you're absolutely right, Glenn. Because of that, his skills are becoming more accurate. And very um, clear, like his, like his brush strokes. We have one of these Zen boards. The brush strokes and the way he's dipping it into the water is a little more careful, a little more clear, mm. you right. know, <laughs> because he's showing the next person how to do it. And he has pride. Very nice. You know, he has pride in what he's doing. So it's like, oh, well, that was too much water. That's too little water. Or, you know, just, just learning those things or even as simple as using an iPad. You know, where to look, where to touch. It's, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. You can really see how it instills in their minds deeper and their eyes, the way they're looking up and rolling them back, trying to figure it out. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Point. And it solidifies, it solidifies it because, uh, a child or anybody that learns a task, if you just leave it at, okay, I saw you do it, and I did it once, you may forget it. But when you teach it, it really instills it into your own consciousness. Oh, yes. So that, that was one of my great favorite lessons that I learned in medical school that's, that's helped me in other parts of life as I move through many things. Mm. In fact, I, I make myself do that when I'm trying to learn a new skill. Something like that. I actually, to solidify it for myself, I, I figure out how to teach it to someone else. <laughs> oh, I just I chuckled because of all this uh, internet. Uh, <laughs> you know, running an internet-based company, and of course, not coming from the background of of all this technology, it's like anytime there's something new, the for my first reaction is like, oh no. <laughs> Then the next reaction is, okay, I'll be open to learning this. Then I learn (laughs) it, right? Then I do it every day. And now I find that I have to teach others certain things. And and it's like, 
okay, now how, what are those steps again? <laughs> See one, do one, teach one. Teach one, yes, yes. And it's like, oh, I remember now. <laughs> All right, I'm ready to move on. Okay. I'm trying to cover... Wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, wait. you didn't use your chimes. Ah. I'm trying to cover the entire trinity of life, going from uh, birth and childhood into adulthood and aging and everything. I think, uh, are we there? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm getting some kind of a uh, strange uh, thing on my computer right now, but I don't know what it is. Anyway, the next area that I learned about is... I was very fortunate in my life to decide that I was going to be a physician very early on. And, and that made everything easy for me. Uh, I didn't have to have anxiety about many different things. What are you going to be? Where are you going to study? Whatever, whatever. I think it's important to start showing children and all through life that they need to choose something that they're going to do that they love in terms of being able to be creative and thinking about all the possibilities. They don't have to come up with decisions until any point in life, but I I do think it's a good idea to uh, know that you should be thinking about it early on. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, I, it's, um, it's interesting. I, I mean, I think in our generation, we're almost told <laughs> what we're going to do. Um, and culturally too, it's like, oh, you might, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a doctor. And of course it's all those, those huge, uh, well, you know, well, uh, earnings and, and very stable, uh, careers. Um, Today is is interesting. I hear some parents talking about that and asking their child, "What would you like to be when you you know when you grow up? A fireman, a whatever." I love it when they say a garbage man, <laughs> <laughs> and the parents go, "What?" <laughs> um, well, with with the kids. That I, I don't hear it as often as I did even 10 years ago, Glenn, when parents are speaking with their kids, like, what do you want to be? I know, uh, depending on the generation of people that my child encounters, usually people who are maybe in their 50s and over, will they ask, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't hear it. I don't hear it as often anymore. And I think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, finish. Um, and and uh, and part of the approach is is um, you know that that was very interesting for me, especially as he's growing up. Like, which you know how how do we keep him focused on his heart, on what he loves to do. Um, and enjoys doing and bring it to in front to his consciousness, uh, um, to say, Oh, you really like that. Oh, that's wonderful. And then the next time was, Oh yes. You know, we remember, I remember you really enjoyed this last time. Uh, like, you know, as, as you very well know, he loves helping people. He loves mm-hmm. that whole realm. And, and it could be just because he's following sort of in my footsteps of, of when he watches me do energy work and things like that, it it's it's a uh, interesting when he sees the pendulum come out. He it's interesting mm-hmm. for him um, when he sees certain instruments come out. When he was in the doctor's office for the fifth time in his life, <laughs> and and he was looking at the things in the office, it it was so it was like an adventure for him. It wasn't anything scary. It was an adventure. But you could say, oh, and what do you use? And that's all he could do is ask the doctor, what do you use that for? What do you use this for? And what, are you going to use that on me? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I, would even, I would even bring up the concept of 
changing the question of what do you want to be when you're when you grow up and, and that you're right. That is the question that's that we all grew up with that question. What are you going to be when you grow up? What do you want to be, et cetera? Uh, certainly you can ask that question, but I would say that there's something else that possibly uh, should be considered in terms of dialogue. And that is to tell the child that they are going to be something when they grow up. And just have them thinking that they are going to be something Mm -hmm. and that they should look around and see all the things that are out there to be. And instead of saying, what are you going to be? Which one of those are you going to choose? Meaning you have to choose one. What what is it? Are you going to be the doctor, the lawyer, the uh, mechanic, the plumber? Instead, say, keep your eye on everything. Everyone we meet is something, and they're doing something. And many of them like what they're doing. Many of them don't necessarily like it. So look at people, look at different things that are out there, and be aware as early as possible that there are many things that you can be, and all of them out there are available to you. So you need to look for something that you're going to love and enjoy so that you're going to be doing it for a long time. Things change, but um, you never know. So I think that instead of what are you going to be, which starts to focus on which one of it, it makes you focus and say, okay, I have to say I want to be a garbage man. You don't have to do that yet. You just have to be aware that you are going to be something. I saw many people, not many people, but there were a number of people in my medical school class that were not in it because they wanted to be. They were in it because their parents, uh, they have five generations of doctors in their family, and you're not going to be the one that changes that. And these people uh, eventually uh, dropped out of medical school, many of them. Some did go on, and and some became very good doctors also and kept the thing going. But it's not really about what your parents want you to be, because at the end of the day, you you go to sleep alone. uh, You're within yourself, and you have to be happy each morning or each night when you go and do the work that you do. So it really is a choice that you have to make, and you should be aware that you can be almost anything. Mm, I like that. And 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 I believe too, and I and I always say this uh, to him and to others, especially with my clients. Is yes, you've been there, you've done that, and it was really wonderful and made you so happy at the time. Mm-hmm. But something shifted now, and don't wait, don't wait till you know you are hit over the head and unconscious. <laughs> You know, it's like how wonderful uh, with uh, your Magical Medical Tour guest yesterday, Tracy Harrison, how she right. was so immersed in technology and computers. And in the middle of her life, she just decided, well, I need to make a change. And though she loved that one career, she moved completely into one of health and wellness. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Uh, The same thing, uh, in a way, happened to me, too. I was in emergency medicine, and then I got hit in the face. You uh, waited too long. (laughs) You literally got... But, Glenn, you literally got physically hit. (laughs) Yes, I know. I always say I was hit by karma, but it was a car. (laughs) A ma driving a car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, but if you, if you love what you do and you, and you've done all the other things, you, you've softened yourself, you have the compassion, you gain knowledge, um, and you know yourself and you're happy within yourself. It doesn't matter. Uh, at a point when I got hit by the car, uh, sure. I, I had, I went through a depressed uh, moment, but that's okay because that's what life's about. And it allowed me to sit quietly and to look at all the sides of the coin, make decisions, and to come up with something new, which I'm again really happy about being a medical guide, being uh, an internet TV co host, uh, 
on the show, being interviewed on your show. It's all it's all good things because my basic constitution and consciousness are that I love what I do. So that brings in humor and happiness and it keeps me going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how how uh how we can take accidents in life and just turn them around. Isn't that beautiful that we have that ability to do that? We we do have the ability. Not everyone uses that ability. Mm-hmm. Uh uh I, I see, you know, we always talk about Everybody hears the words post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Yes. You've heard that. I mean, we see people coming back from wars and people that have uh, personal things that are not necessarily soldiers, but major traumatic events. But then we have this whole other discussion about life is about lessons, right? So we should learn things. So maybe there's another category that's not post-traumatic stress disorder, but more like post-traumatic uh learning innovation. You know, some people come out of uh, traumatic stress situations better. Mm -hmm. So it's not always about the disorder, which gets most of the the headlines, but we could take a a stressful situation, come out of it uh, with something innovative and making us even happier. So it's every time you have stress or something bad happen doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be suffering from that forever. Mm-hmm. Now, who wants to suffer for so long? I'm sorry. <laughs> Move on. Well, there, unfortunately, there are people that do. Yes. There, there are people that that's the, that's the uh, realm that they live in. It's a suffering realm all the time. Mm-hmm. So oh. I want to, I don't know if we have much more time, but I wanted to at least talk about one more uh, thing that I learned in medicine that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And this has to do with the concept live now. I don't care whether you believe in past lives. We talked with Peter Wright on past life regression therapy. Uh, if you believe in karma, if you believe in everything that happens is a lesson if you believe that everything that happens just happens. All of these possible belief systems, what I saw in the emergency department was that being healthy, both of body, mind, and spirit, as you talk about in the Trinity, being healthy in all of those is a very, very, very fine line. And people can go over from being healthy to not being healthy in a moment. And you think, I mean, I would watch that I would see uh, a loving father who's a teacher and an educator and uh, is a community activist and gives to charities and he's a great husband and everything else. You would think this person is, uh, you know, deserves only the best. That person is brought in by the paramedic, hit by a drunk driver, and now they're, uh, they've broken their neck and they're quadriplegic. They're not moving any of their limbs for the rest of their life. And you can look at that. You look for a moment and you say, why did this happen to this person? Why did this happen to me? I'm a good person. I'm a this person. I'm a that. I do all these things. Whatever your belief system is, things happen, and they can happen really quickly that change your life forever. And it may not necessarily be in a good way, even though we try to talk about what we just mentioned that you can, uh, you don't always have to suffer, but sometimes there are things that are, are bad and that are not going to change, like being a quadriplegic or paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of your life. And you're only 35. Uh, there are, Things that happen to people instantly, the emergency department every day, the beds were filled with things that would happen. Somebody wasn't feeling well, uh, and suddenly they're diagnosed with a cancer. And it's not only a cancer, but it's an inoperable brain tumor. Uh, Things change, and they can change rapidly. Uh, Those are, I just gave a few examples of physical issues. There are certainly... uh, 
other types of issues clinically where suddenly you're healthy and the next thing you know, you're an insulin-dependent diabetic. You have to change your diet, take blood tests on yourself multiple times a day, and give yourself injections for the rest of your life. Uh, illnesses happen to people uh, sometimes in an instant. And because of that, it's so important to live now. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Glenn. I think that is so important. And um, as I say, the the biggest gift is the gift of the present, you know, moment. And uh, I, it's hard. It's it's not an easy with the way we're all brought up. I think it's not easy to um, wrap our minds around it because we're always looking to tomorrow and what what's in it. For, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? And and we have to do because you know we're we're such a fear based society as well that we do forget that uh, certain things can happen overnight. Uh, And as you say, even faster than that in an instant. Um, You know, uh, I've had uh, many friends who've had many losses as well overnight uh, of children, of loved ones. Um, And I'm right with you about live now. Live live right in your present moment. and be happy. <laughs> be right. Happy. It's, not a, it's not about being fearful every moment that yes. I could become a quadriplegic or I could have cancer. It's not about that at all. It's, in fact, it's completely the opposite of that. Yes. It's, it's to just be in such happiness and appreciation that, uh, and you're doing it because you know that this moment could be your last moment. Mm-hmm. So why not enjoy it rather than being morose and depressed over this is potentially my last moment. I think it just yes. sometimes, uh, again, if we go back to the first thing we were talking about with competition and softening, you know, as you start to appreciate living in the moment and living now and living with uh, happiness and consciousness, and less competition and being softer and uh, all of these things, it's, it's easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and another, another piece uh, uh, with all that is gratitude. Oh, gratitude. Wow. You know, that, that is so easy to miss. You know, finding your happiness and your joy is one thing, but having gratitude to those around us, to things that are presented to us um, on a daily, even if it's on a daily basis, you know, as it I say. It should be on a daily basis. Yes. Oh, I mean, the things that happen to us on a daily basis, oh. like, you know, that we take oh. for granted, like, you know, ah. the people in our lives and what they're doing for us. And, um, you know, as, as I say to uh, my child, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm grateful even when he's naughty because <laughs> I'm learning the next thing from it, you know. Right. Right. And it, it, it's also about, I believe, self-gratitude. Have gratitude for yourself. Nothing wrong with that. Well, that's a, that's a fun one. I like that one, too. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, we talk about in order to love other people, you need to love yourself. In order to have compassion for others, you need to have compassion from your, for, for yourself. Uh, I would think that in order to really, truly have gratitude for other people that's coming from your heart, you have to have gratitude for yourself. Mm. Now, we can certainly talk about there are many philosophies that say there is no self, but for today's episode of Trinity of Life, uh, I think having gratitude for yourself is okay. I'm right with you on that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right with you on that. Uh, you know, we're all, we all have similarities in the sense that we have a, a heart and lungs and a liver and kidneys, but within every single person, everyone is unique. There are certain special qualities, be they social, uh, spiritual, physical, uh, mental, everyone is unique and th- you should honor yourself for that. And if you start becoming competitive, going back again to the same thing, if you go, oh, I'm not as tall as that person, or I'm not as strong, or I'm not as good looking, or I'm not as smart, 
you have your own qualities that make you unique and you should have gratitude for that. Mm. That's a nice note to end on then. <laughs> That's like the tip of the day. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> this was quite fun for me. Oh, this was a lot of fun for me. It's wonderful to have you on my show. <laughs> um, is there is there anything else that you might like to add, Glenn, with your whole wonderful um, experiences and lessons in life? Uh, you know, there's so many, but I think that the ones that we spoke about today... Uh, the way to learn, see one, do one, teach one, uh, the competition, get softer, uh, uh, making decisions with knowledge, understanding that there's people that may know more and don't be afraid to ask. I, I think that covered a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for all those wonderful awarenesses. And uh, for me, it's like, don't wait till you get hit over the head. <laughs> don't wait till you're actually physically unconscious to become conscious. I love well, that. It, it's one of the most amazing things that I see in taking care of people. Uh, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we learned yesterday just from Tracy uh, Harrison talking about you know, how to get people, they may know that this food is not good and that this food is good, but yet, how do you make that change? Mm-hmm. And do you have to get sick first to then make the change? That's what we're about. And I think the learning process starts as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I remember agree. we always talked about uh, in different martial arts trainings, uh, I always talked with my sifus and trainers and teachers and masters about how young can you teach someone? I mean, when, when can a child mm-hmm. start learning these techniques? And, and many of them felt that they had to be older uh, because they just weren't ready for all of the disciplines. And, and I somehow, uh, I appreciated their answers, but I always thought, I don't know. I think that if it's, if it's brought out the right way, you can, they can certainly start learning certain things so that um, there's no reason to think that we can't uh, learn things early. We may not, we assimilate everything as a child. We may not have full understanding until we get more knowledge, but certainly if you're aware as a teacher to the child, um, you can see what they are capable of assimilating and coming up with and keep teaching, keep teaching and keep allowing them to have opportunities to uh, see everything. Oh, I thank you so much for saying that. I, I truly believe in that. They, they may not seem like they're taking it in, but believe me, they are. Because I see things that I was teaching from six months old, mm. you know, a year old, suddenly coming to the surface now at six <laughs> You know, for, you know, at six years old, right. you know, just those little essences that are magnificent. It's like, wow, you know, wow, I haven't said anything about that for years. <laughs> and suddenly it's like, oh, look, you know, the, the pieces of the puzzle begin to connect. It's almost like the different parts of the brain are developing and it takes in a certain amount. And then the next part takes in another amount. And, and suddenly now everything is becoming like a puzzle pieces are coming to match. It, it's fantastic. So mm-hmm. it isn't, it is never too early because I, I taught about energy work and martial arts and about light energy and aromatherapy all the way from a baby. And I would explain every oil I'd be using. Nice. You know, things like that and, and lights and colors and what are strong colors and what they do, what they don't do. And, you know, it's, uh, people are going to laugh. My son wants, you know, purple and reds in his room. <laughs> you know? as, as he should. You know, so, so it's one of the, and, and it's like, don't you want something else? No, because these are, these are healing colors. These are colors, you know, it's, it's, it's all coming forward now. It's amazing. Just amazing. Right. 
So, well, if it's taught with love rather than through fear or punishment, uh, things come in more easily. As I said, they assimilate everything. They just may interpret things differently based on data that they have at the moment. Mm-hmm. But you know, Glenn, it's all through life. When something is taught through love and mm-hmm. compassion, it's so well received. Right. And it stays. <laughs> oh, there goes the chimes. The angels are flapping their wings. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Glenn Woolman, for taking this time to be on Trinity of Life. Many blessings. Thank you. Your your knowledge and your expertise and now your life lessons uh, really to help us on our journeys. Uh, we are very honored and blessed to have you with us. I would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us here on this new platform of education and information. We are grateful for your continued support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can support you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays from Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 1.30 Eastern Time. Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. And, of course, if you would like to get in touch with our wonderful guest today, who is also our co-host of Magical Medical Tour, Dr. Glenn Woolman, you can do so at myyogahub.com forward slash G Woolman, or follow him on Twitter at Glenn Woolman. And of course, through his own site, glennwoolman.com, where I do suggest you learn about his metaphor square breath. Until we meet again, namaste. Namaste.